Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. I am really at a new space to welcome you to season three of the Open Nesters podcast because my heart is filled with what I've been doing as I enter the new year in January. And actually, you'll be hearing this on my birthday. I'm 61 today as you hear this episode released. And friendships are probably the biggest gift in my life. They're the biggest gift to how I receive them. They're the biggest gift to how I give them. They help me grow and sustain and evolve and feel supported. And so I decided that I was going to embark on doing a series about friendship and all of its nuanced depth and expansions in our lives. So this is a, I'm embarking on this intro to do myself and for you to listen to kind of why I came from this space of wanting friendships to be so important for the next many, many episodes. We're going to go into February, at least past or into Valentine's Day and beyond with some of the interviews that we're doing. And we all know that longevity and health statistics tell us that people with social networks live better lives. But I do believe that this kind of breadth of friendship is not as explored as it can be, and especially at this stage of life, to look at why we can continue to open in new ways. And, and what is real friendship? And how do different friendships help us evolve? And are they, they almost have a romance to them when you meet a new friend. And they have this security and softness and and, and warmth of the old friends. So we're going to be talking about playful, long-term friendships, your local and community friends, platonic friendships with maybe other, the other sexes, some spiritual friendships. I'm interviewing my sister. We'll be talking about family friendships. And we'll be talking about the need for men to develop their friendship muscle as well. So I'm going to launch into this by just talking about my excitement over the last many months of developing kind of languages, basically this idea that after interviewing many people about security attachment and, atta and how we create relationships that give us space and choice and all the things that really are meaningful in our lives, we, I'm really trying to develop them as languages. So I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to be part of this process. That's why I want to do it for an extended period of time. That if you have ideas about what are the kind of languages of friendship, and I'm going to name some of the ones I'm developing during this, this episode, and, I, and I, I welcome you to, to really join me in that way too, to email me, to be part of the discussion in our closed Facebook group, to discuss it for the next couple of months, to really focus on why friendships help you in your life. And also, if I'm going to be uh, doing an email, if you're not subscribing to us now on the Open Nester podcast, you can find the link in our in the notes here, and you could find them anywhere and on our website. Just go to the newsletter and resources, and you will be able to subscribe. I'm going to be offering all the things I'm developing and why the practices that I've been using for for all of my life, but especially intentionally over the last five to ten years, have opened my heart to feel so filled with the kind of love that I know everyone really needs. There's so much need for belonging, and there's so much loneliness out there. 
So I really do hope that you'll join me on this journey. And if you don't have great friends, I'm going to be offering practices for that. Some of our guests will, because we'll have some, a couple of experts getting on, and you're going to hear a few clips even in this intro episode from some of the people that have been experts on our show in different topics, and I ask them about friendship. So, you know, really stay with me on this. I'm, it's something that's very exciting for me. One of the areas that we recently interviewed, and we will hear only in March, Jessica Fern was a guest, and she wrote a book called Polysecure. And she actually expanded the idea of attachment theory in a way that, to me, was really resonant, especially about friendships. And, and the reason I say that, so and most of you who have listened to our podcast know that we are polyamorous, Amir and I, but the podcast is not only about that. And when people ask me about polyamory, I tell them it's almost like how I can love my children, each one very differently, so I can love more than one person. And I give that example. And so in friendships, obviously, we know that we can love more than one person. We don't have to only have one friend. And that's why I see the overlay in some of the things that Jessica will be talking about and in her book. And I just want to name those first because I'd like you to start pondering those because she, I like how she used the acronym for HEARTS. So HEARTS, for any of our friends, we want to show up. We want to be here is the first word. We want to really be present for them. So showing up is huge. The second is an E, expressing delight. So some of us are so worried about the competition or the jealousy that I've seen out there, and unfortunately with women more than I, with men too, but they're in a more performative state and they have their armor up. But some women don't like to, to tell the other one how, how much they value them, how much they love them, how they look so beautiful, how they can encourage them, expressing delight. The A is attuned, so attunement, how we can feel attuned with that person in so many different settings. And when I go into the languages that I've been kind of developing in my own mind, that attunement can come from so many places. The R is for rituals, when we develop a ritual, which we know in our own relationships and in our families, we know we need, we need them for ourselves, but we need them with our friends, and that makes it fun, it makes it more like we're dependable, it gives us security there. The T is for turning toward, which is actually from much many years of research from the, Gut, the Gutman Institute, John Gutman, who's talked about how when we let, we don't let things go, if we have conflict, we actually turn toward that conflict. We turn into it and we resolve it in a way that is coming from a place of love. So that's the heart. And then I love what Jessica did because the S on the hearts is to do the whole thing again for yourself first. So we can't live secure, friendly, wonderful, full, loving lives. And then we can't reach out to new friends that way unless we actually feel that about ourselves. So Dr. Ellen Albertson, who is the midlife whisperer and has a book on being on, on midlife, actually has a quote about her friendship, her feelings, not just of her own friendships, but how she gives advice around friendship. I do want to say, though, that her book does, does really point out some of the ways that we need to nurture ourselves first and then show up fully for our friends. You know, are there people in your circle, like friends that you have, and you, usually they're just not taking the time to make those connections, to go out for coffee, to go for a walk, 
to, to text or call a friend. So it actually takes work like any relationship. So I have, I usually I would say too, I have, um, I like quality more than quantity. I think quantity can be really overwhelming. Um, I just have a couple of amazing friends and I feel like it compliments my marriage. Like Kenny can't take care of all my needs and he is certain things that he fulfills. And then I have a couple of female friends who I have deep, intimate relationship with. It's not sexual, but it's a really deep, intimate relationship where I have a different kind of fun or a different kind of connection um, that I really highly value. And they all sort of fill different areas of my life. And then I also like getting together in groups. So I think if you're looking like, how do I create midlife friendships? First of all, Look at the people who are already in your life. Maybe there are, you know, sisters, sister-in-laws, um, you know, people that you knew when your kid, if you have kids, were in school or do that and reach out to them. Maybe join some kind of group of something, you know, volunteering. I do hospice work. So I've met a lot of really cool people. I've also met incredible people right in my neighborhood. So just seeing like, who do you say hello to? Who are the people in your neighborhood, your your community? Because these are the people you live with. And then also, you know, maybe do some new things. Again, volunteer or take a class of something that you're truly interested in. And as you do something that you love, you're going to find people that resonate with you. But I think that that shifting piece, become the person you want to be. Because I know I lost a ton of friends when I got divorced because I'm the one who broke up the relationship. I left. I created a lot of, you know, havoc. And most of my friends sided with my ex-husband. So we had a lot of couple friends. And so for a time, I was kind of a little bit in limbo. But now I've attracted all of these people who get me. Like you want to have friends, not people that you have to be a people pleaser, not people you have to have a mask. That's not a really strong friendship, but people who you really resonate with. And then using things like, you know, the nonviolent communications, which I mentioned, where you are, you know, something you don't, something isn't working for you, observing what's going on, letting that person know, communicating what you need, how you feel. So relationships are, you know, a work in progress. We're always growing and, and the people we surround our, ourselves with really are so powerful. Surround yourself with positive people. So, you know, you've been hanging out with people who are complaining all the time. You maybe you want to live a healthy lifestyle and they just want to go out for like, you know, margaritas and pizza, nothing wrong with that. But if that's not where you're at, you know, take that cooking class, join that running or walking group or that biking group, do those things that really light you up and you will attract people who resonate with who you are. So many of you and many of us have these kind of friendships that we've developed along the way. But if you're coming out of your of raising your kids and you've only had the kid, the friends who have been from your parents, from the being parents of the children, we, have, we want to look back at our childhood again. And we want to look at the things that gave us joy and really bring out that child of our, that's that we can connect with someone else. That's the friend, the friendship that comes from a language that I would will be calling play, the play language of friendship. Because when we have that play, I mean, as we know, the laughter is the shortest distance between two people. But play is all kinds of things. It's for me, it's dance and, you know, it's creative and it's wandering and connecting with that soulful spirit that just takes me on a journey. For some of you, it could be sports, recreational activities, games, eating out, adventure, all kinds of hobbies, as Ellen talks about, or, or even knitting or walking or hiking or biking, whatever things that gave you joy, exploring science, find something at this stage of life because that's how you connect to that playful side of yourself and then you can connect to a new friend that way. 
And it does require taking the effort, being a little more assertive. And these are the things that I'm going to be writing in my e-letter. So again, I hope you will subscribe. The next one I'm going to talk about as one of the languages is an, the acts of generosity that we offer in order to show up for our friends. So, you know, sometimes it's just local ways that our friends show up, our communities show up when we need them. And, and we help them, you know, with dinners, with, with whatever little things they even need. Or even if financially we're going through a hard time to show up, it happened with me when my friends actually helped me or took me for lunch or when you, you, they made you feel like even if you're struggling a little bit, I want to take care of you. And when, when one of us can take care of the other and even finance doesn't become something that gets in the way, or we find low key, you know, free things to do together, taking walks, being there, showing up, especially during tough times. I came back from Florida after my mom had passed away and my dear local friends really set up the, the, the morning period and all the food and all the things that would make me feel comforted. And these are acts of generosity. Acts of generosity is bringing our spirit the best gifts that we can offer. So if my generosity is I'm a good, you know, I, I, I bring people together. I help them gather. I help them see the best in each other. And I help them move and be a little more mindful. So those are my skills. And I bring those gifts as my act of generosity, that kind of love. So it's one of the languages I believe really is big in friendship. So we've had play, acts of generosity. Another one I'm going to talk about is inspiration. So, you know, I, I, some of my friends are mentors. You'll hear from Joyce Saltman. And she inspired me to be a public speaker and to do more programs out in the world many, many years back. And then I started a group of women I call the Flourish Group that we reversed engineered and inspired one another to take new goals, to take new chances, to get out there. And sometimes that, that inspiration can come from a very spiritual place as well. I went on a trip to Kauai. I was lucky to do that a friend invited us to a home that she got, and she just brought her best friends in, and I didn't know any of them. And we met, and even it was just in that moment, we were able to inspire one another to see sides of ourselves we had never seen before. So we're talking about play, acts of generosity, being inspiring, inspiring friendships. Another one is creative stewardship. So when I have an idea and there are people who help me with that, help me develop it, or help me look at it critically, help me understand kind of what is it that I can really take, whether, you know, and they could, they could range from my sister and, my, and Amir to some of my long-term friends or some new friend I met that really stimulated that creativity for me. And, you know, I've done the podcast. I do a lot of seminar work. I've done a book series, I've done public speaking, and just exploring creativity in my life, you know, in, in all the things that I want to advance myself in. That's someone who's giving me creative stimulation, looking at me, brainstorming with me, making, and, and we can do that for each other in those kind of heart spaces. Um, so the, the areas of, of some people set up set of masterminds, but I really think it's kind of master hearts for that creative stimulation. So we have creative stimulation, inspiration, play, and acts of generosity. And the last one that I've come up with so far is the value alignment. So the idea of questioning each other, even when things are in somewhat that conflict piece, is that how do we question each other with love when it comes from love? Let's question values and make sure that they come from the right place, from integrity, from our real values, from our love, from our heart. And it's really great to have friends that help me and question me and, and, and help me set boundaries. 
and sometimes even help me overcome fear. But it's really, you know, I'm not somebody that's so interested in, in shopping and, and consumerism as much. And some of my friends that really get me, they, they, they don't guilt me. And they'll, they, they'll know that I am not going to, that my values don't, not that consumerism is a bad value. It's just not one of mine. And I do feel like, so if I'm not somebody that's going to go shopping, they don't need to have me ask me to go shopping. I do my thing. And when I look at the things that I have value, the stretch me out of my comfort zone. People can actually help me with that. And I hope that you'll help your friends with that. And my friend and I certainly want to make suggestions, ask a friend if they just want me to, and they want to vent or they want me to suggest something by asking that and then showing up again with that, how can I prod you to be your better self? And I would add, especially when they know where you come from, so long-term friends can really help with that because they know the way you valued, the way you grew up, the way you valued things, whether it was faith or tradition or religion or where you broke from that, and the things that are important to you in your life around your family, around showing up even in your relationships. So they can really help you realign those values that you want to be better at. And you, we always want people to suggest, I, I, I always want people to ask if they want my suggestion, and I want to ask them the same. So if they want to vent, that's one thing, but let's ask them, would you like my suggestion? Because then you can you have a chance to help them realign their values. And one of those things is how we value life, how we value living. And obviously, as we are at the stage of life that we're going to be closer to dying because death is part of our lives, it's like looking at whether we have loss and how we hold grief so Vicki Larson, who is an author of many books, her newest book is called Not Too Old for That, about women, and we interviewed her in season two, and she talks about losing a partner and our need for our community of friends. If we have followed the quote-unquote romantic script, then we have generally found a romantic partner, and generally... When we have romantic partners, so much time and energy goes into that, um, just being with your partner and your partner's family. And if you've had children together, then you're, you've got, you're putting time and energy into children. And then, then you become an empty nester. And then maybe you lose your partner, either through divorce or, um, or death. And now here you are in your forties, fifties, and where is your, where are your people? And hopefully all along you have been finding and nurturing friendships, but it's more than just being alone. Um, our friends bring a wealth of experiences. And um, if we've known them for a while, we have histories. We've seen each other through all sorts of things and they're a wonderful support group. And, you know, what often happens for men, I mean, like the joke is like, well, men will partner up real quickly after a divorce or a, a death of their romantic partner. And, you know, and then the joke is, well, they can't be alone. Men don't have the kind of friendships that women do. So it's not really a joke. It's, it's a thing to be to be conscious of. And as the mother of boys, I'm like, you know, nurture your friendships, please do. So it's not just for women 
or, you know, or men. It's for all of us. I mean, women generally are better. Um, friendships, uh, it, 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 they tend to do the social calendar for, for couples. And so they know many more. So, you know, the, f- people talk about the fear of dying alone, which you're most likely going to do. The bigger fear is, you know, being alone when you don't want to be alone. A lot of people do want to be alone, but lonely and, and differentiate between alone because alone time is very important, but being lonely. And the antidote to loneliness is not having a romantic partner. It's having a village of people, friends. And it doesn't even have to be a lot, just people to look after you, you can look after. It's a love that is often so much more long-lasting and deeper than even romantic love. And platonic love does not get the same kind of respect in this society as um, romantic love. And I think that's, that's, that's wrong because we often will have friends lifelong and we don't always have romantic partners lifelong and we may not even have a romantic partner at all. So, um, but you can have this rich, full life full of people you care about and who care about you. That's really why I think it's important at any age, but especially as, as we get, as we get older. So Vicky talks about women and there are so many studies in Okinawa in Japan. There was a study about that. The average women age expectancy is 90, which is the oldest in the world because women are forming groups of five who offer that social, logistical, emotional, even financial support during kids' sicknesses or losses, and they and it really does influence healthy living. What I want to say, and we're going to have episodes on this as well during the season, is that men have a harder time cracking that because they've had to be very performative in this society, and they, they, they've remained performative in many ways about their armory, and they don't want to show the vulnerability. So we spoke to one of our amazing um, guests, Carl Honoré, who wrote a book called Older and Bolder, also among many books. And he has TED Talks out, and we asked him also about friendship. Because people are wandering around, I think especially maybe men are wandering around with armor, right? We're all armored up. So who can? how are you going to be seen? You're not going to be seen. There's just the, the armor on the outside. And I, I definitely feel like in the last little while, and really the last year or so, this feels like a post-pandemic thing to me, that some of my, including some of my older friends, that we've gone deeper than we've ever gone before, that we've just started being more open and more vulnerable with each other and talking about our failures, our disappointments, our weaknesses in a way that we just, in, and these are friends that, you know, I would want them to be there. You know, that friend, you walk into a room and who are the people you want to be there? You know, these are those, those kind of friends that I grew up with. Only now, I think, are we kind of peeling away some of that armor, some of those shields and getting right down to the core of what it all is and who we are together and who we are on our own and stuff. And it's just, it's just kind of unnerving a little bit, but, but actually not really. It's, it's, it's unnerving because it's unfamiliar to me, I think, but the more I do it, the more I like it. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause I always come away from that. I think, wow, why didn't we talk about this stuff with that kind of openness 25 years ago? What? We continue to learn how we can add healthy years to our lives by curating this immediate social network. It is really better than any drug. And, you know, I, I 
can't even imagine not having a friend that I can speak to. And I do have a friend that I speak to every single day. And I don't understand for me how I know there are introverts that people like more like alone. And if you feel good alone, this is no one's telling you what to do. I just want to make sure that you know that friends do support us and they they are worth investing in. And it doesn't it it comes from really making a commitment. It doesn't just happen. So that's why this series that we're talking about, and as well as the t- the practices that I want to give you as a gift before this book comes out, hopefully next year, it's so important for you to curate your friendships from a deep place, from your heart, and from that that the, the soulful connection that sustains you. And so I'm going to tell you a little tip from one of my very friend friends and mentors, Joyce Saltman, Doctor Joyce Saltman. She never likes to be called Joyce. But she's the guru of laughter, and she has an episode about friendship that will make you laugh. And here's a little clip from Joyce with a tip about friendship. Okay, well, what I think of first is how important it is to start the day with someone you love. And I put close friends are in the category of someone I love. I start every single morning, usually between 6.30 and 7 in the morning. I call my friend Connie, who is also an early riser, and I have by then done a whole lot of my emails, which is great. And I call Connie, and I say, good morning, sunshine. And she says, good morning, wonderful, creative. And she gives me all kinds of fabulous adjectives. And I will say to her, what are you doing today that's fun? And we talk for about five minutes about what we did yesterday, what we're going to do today. And we, we tell each other, I love you, and hang up the phone and go on with our day. There is nothing better than starting a day with someone you love. And I have to say that on my list, I always had a list of 25 things I was looking for in a man. And first thing on the list was wakes up happy, right? Well, now I, I'm waking up with someone who he doesn't, he wakes up happy enough, but he doesn't wake up in time for me. <laughs> his, his natural clock, his internal clock wakes him at eight and I'm already in the den. So he will come in and say good morning to me, and let me kiss him in this special place that I love on on his neck on his way to the bathroom. So, But I have to start with somebody very up, and I start every morning with Connie. So many of our episodes have discussed relationships of all kinds, and particularly partnerships, if you look back. They're really in such such a... I feel like I'm a relationship geek. So friendships for me are... That's why I'm bringing this to you because even the fact that sometimes people feel obliged for long-term friendships or obliged to stay in touch with some of their friends because they've been in their community. I want to try to give you a perspective on that that I don't believe is is necessary. And we sometimes you'll have to let friendships fall off and take that risk to go out and find the ones that will give you more richness. And so if you're starting to feel obligation rather than a commitment to a friend, if they're going through a hard time, Really question that because that helps you get clarity about is this, is this friendship adding value to my life? And as you've heard even from just now with Joyce and you will hear from many of our guests in this incredible series of wonderful people that I've interviewed about friendships, this is the, the idea that it gives us a sense of belonging and almost brings us back to remember who we are. And if you're not remembering who you are because you're caught up in obligation or you're caught up in the demands of 
having to show up rather than wanting to show up for someone because they bring you joy and you bring each other joy. There's just something missing there. So during this open nester stage, or if you're getting close to it or you're after it, it's never too late to make the kind of friends that will sustain you. As Vicki Larson's book talks about at her interview, women are outliving men by far. So as far as women go, I'm making a big request for you to be happier in your life by looking deeply for how you can make and create beautiful, sustaining friendships. So I once again want to invite you and any of the things that have given you joy in your friendship to write to me, to get into the Facebook page. First of all, you can always do that in our closed Facebook page of The Open Esters. We'll be posting all these things on Instagram and I welcome your comments and I welcome you to join there. And in particular, if you want to just have the conversation with me, just write to me, Tessa at theopennesters.com. And you can make a comment within our website at theopennesters.com as well, where you can subscribe to the newsletter, which once you get, once again, I'm suggesting because I'm so excited to give you some of these practices as I study them. I feel like I'm doing a thesis on friendship. And it does feel so right for me and so resonant to try to get this information to people when we need more love and belonging in the world. And it really comes from that. So join me in the weeks ahead for this wonderful Open Nester special series on friendship and share with your friends. Till next time, this is Tessa and Amir says hi and ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio Engineering by Lucid Sound. Web Design and Blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.